J.J. Watson, as I indicated earlier, his stats don't really tell the whole story of how valuable he really is to this Tennessee squad. Well, he's uh, the senior from Las Vegas, so only the second player in Tennessee history to score 1,000 points and dish out 500 assists in a career time. Hey. Watson putting it up and in. Everything's going in for him in the last two games. And here is Watson. Fires for the tie. And it's a three for C.J. Watson. C.J. Watson, jumper. It's opened up a few eyes from the coaching staff, from his teammates, and from himself. He has proven that he belongs now in the NBA. What's going on, everybody? Not in my house, in the house. This is your boy, Eric, and the co-host, Zach. Zach, what's going on, my friend? Not much. Just excited about our guest today. Absolutely, man. We got another excellent, excellent guest. He was a can't-miss player from the University of Tennessee and went on to play 10 seasons in the NBA and also played in the big three, Mr. C.J. Watson. C.J., how are you doing this morning? Doing good. How are you? Doing really well. Thanks for coming on. This episode special one for Zach because uh, we're both from Nevada, but he got to watch you play in high school quite a bit. Um, <laughs> we always like hearing about players' backgrounds growing up. So what was it like being a Vegas kid? Uh, I mean, I get to ask that question all the time, and I think it's just like, you know, growing up anywhere else, obviously, uh, people think we live on the Strip and in casinos, but that's really not true. Um, uh, I think it was just good, just fun just to be, uh, you know, out, outside of the house and, and play with the neighborhood kids, play with my brother, and uh, just kind of just grow up as a kid. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I spent some time in Vegas. My, my folks lived in Vegas and then in Henderson, so I know exactly what you mean about everybody thinking – the strip. Yeah. We, live in, we live in Reno, so they think that we live like two minutes from Vegas, which is hysterical. Right, yeah. <laughs> which cracks me up all the time. Um, what sports were you into growing up, and uh, which one did you gravitate most towards? I played every sport. I played baseball. Um, my favorite sport is football. Um, I just didn't get a chance to play it. Uh, I mean, I played like on the in the grass and stuff like that, but I never played like recreational. Uh, because it was way too hot in, in Vegas to play, I feel like, in pads and stuff like that. But I think football, I would say, is my favorite sport. If I had to pick a sport that I wish I would have continued to play, probably baseball. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's definitely uh, – for the people that don't know, it gets up to 110, 115 in Vegas in the summertime. And, and you were right, man, wearing pads in that type of weather is just ridiculous. They say yeah. it's a dry heat, man, but it's still ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got used to it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny you do, right? You know, Um yeah. When did you get really serious about basketball? Do you remember what age? Um, maybe like in uh, middle school. Uh, I always played basketball for the fun of it. And then obviously as I figured out I was pretty good, uh, just kept playing and playing and playing and grew a love for the sport. And um, I think uh, maybe like in sixth or seventh grade is when I started kind of really taking it serious, uh, you know, winning trophies. When you, when you get a trophy, your first trophy is kind of like, you know, you accomplish a lot, a lot and you think you can really do something big. So you just kind of – keep going to and I kept collecting trophies and medals and all that kind of stuff so I guess I thought I was pretty good <laughs> yeah, yeah we're not talk we're not talking participation trophies that wasn't back <laughs> uh, maybe maybe like, maybe like in probably like in first and second grade but after after right, a while right. you see winning <laughs> yeah that, right. that first taste of success is contagious for sure um yeah. 
but uh, you know, I want to know who were some of the guys that you uh, studied growing up. Like, who who did you try to emulate your game after? Um, like as far as like NBA players or. Uh, yeah, or just anybody who inspired you. But, yeah, like NBA players, anybody that you uh, studied. studied. Uh, mostly, uh, there's a, this guy. He's my coach. His name is Robert Smith. Uh, he played for UNLV. He played in the NBA uh, for, like, I think eight or nine years, something like that. And uh, he was kind of the first person that I that I saw as an NBA player and, like, was able to talk to and, you know, get some feedback from and get little tips and stuff like that from. So he was the, probably the first guy. Um, to kind of like really realize that, you know, the NBA dream can really be true. And then as I got older, uh, probably just point guards like John Stockton, uh, Mike Bibby, Jason Terry, uh, Jason Kidd, uh, Gary Payton, like all those guys I, I watched and kind of try to study and try to take something from their game and put it into mine. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I watched a lot of, uh, you know, the players coming out of the Las Vegas area, like you, Demetrius Hunter, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of guys, but, I'm yeah. not sure where I read this, and I'm going to feel really stupid if this isn't correct, but were you working as a dog catcher in high school? Did I read that correctly? No, no. So the, so the team uh, so the, uh, so the team was called Dog Catchers. Oh, gotcha. That, that I played for, like, at a Doolittle Community Center um, where I grew up at. Uh, so the, the team was called Dog Catchers. Uh, he was a family friend. Our parents uh, were friends, and we hung out in the same neighborhood and, and grew up in the same neighborhood, so – uh, he ran the dog catchers uh, program, and uh, I played for him since I was probably since I probably since I started playing basketball, and uh, uh, just kind of like uh, and all of our teams are pretty good, pretty competitive, and uh, you you would uh, always know when he's in the room because he would he would bark like a dog. That was our kind of like our our <laughs> signal <laughs> for the dog catchers. <laughs> all right, yeah, that that makes a lot more sense because I was gonna say if you if you were doing that, you must have some good stories about it. Um, but I remember watching you play in the state tournament up here in Reno. Uh, you guys were playing Reno High School, and my dad kept telling me about this kid named C.J. Watson. He's like, we ought to go watch this kid, C.J. You know, I want to see him play. And we were a, a few minutes late to the game, and we are like, shoot, now we don't know which one C.J. is. And it must have been like 10 seconds after we just see this picture-perfect jump shot from like the three-point line. My dad was just like, well, that's C.J. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I want to know um, – my dad told me right when he saw that, he's like, that, that kid is going to play in the NBA. But I want to know, when did you first believe that you could play in the NBA? Like, when did you get that first spark? Um, honestly, I never really, like, dreamed of playing in the NBA. I had other dreams of, like, being, like, a barber because my dad was a barber. My dad was a uh, a trash man. I, I Like, I wanted to, like, kind of, like, follow in his footsteps. But I never really dreamed of, like, honestly playing in the NBA uh, until, like, maybe when I got to college when I figured out how much money they make and, you know, how uh, – how successful they were. Um, and then I kind of like started putting all my, um, I guess, belief into talents and, and, and pride and stuff into kind of trying to make that dream come true. Uh, but it, was, it definitely was a journey. Uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, I went overseas for a couple of years and I uh, kind of wanted to quit basketball actually. So uh, definitely had like up and downs throughout the, throughout the process. So you considered going to UCLA, you ended up choosing Tennessee um, what sold you on Tennessee, and did you have any thoughts of staying at home and playing for the Rebels? Uh, honestly, you know, he never recruited me. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, I definitely would have would have stayed here. Uh, I mean, I, I love Vegas. I love you know everything about it. This is where I grew up. It's where I was born. So uh, I definitely would have loved to stay here. It didn't, didn't happen. My dream school was to go to UCLA because of where I always watched uh, them in a tournament, playing and uh, playing for championships, uh, getting deep in the tournament. And uh, that was my first choice. And once Coach Lavin got fired, I decided to kind of open up the recruiting process back up. And 
Tennessee was there. Uh, they gave me – they told me I would start right away um, and kind of just give me the keys to the to the program. And my family is from Nashville, which is only like two and a half hours away. So my family was uh, real close if I needed them. Um, obviously, since my parents weren't anywhere uh, anywhere close. So I think uh, that was just the main the main uh, takeaway and the main reason that I went there. Yeah. Nashville is one of my favorite cities, by the way. I love going to Nashville. I've had some fun. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, grown, it's grown a lot. It wasn't, definitely wasn't like that when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but during your time at Tennessee, you guys didn't make the tournament your first three seasons there. And the mm -hmm. system, from just a viewer's standpoint, it looked like they had you playing a little bit more of like a traditional point guard. But then yeah. when Bruce Pearl came in your senior year, it seemed like everybody's a little bit more free. You guys make the t a tournament run, and that system seemed to do wonders for like, you and Chris Lofton especially. Um, but do you credit Bruce Pearl and his style for your improvements or, you know, individually as a team? Or, I mean, what clicked for you that year, do you think? I think so. I, I, he definitely has to get credit. Uh, I think it was just a style of play. I mean, I was used to always playing like a running gun, uh, free-flowing kind of system, and uh, that's what his system was. And uh, actually, I was about to – I was going to lead to – to declare to go to the NBA draft my junior year once um, Coach Buzz Peterson got fired. And then I had a couple of talks with uh, Buzz, and he was just trying to convince me to stay and saying how his program and his system would benefit me well because I always could score. I just was uh, kind of more of a traditional point guard in Buzz's system, and that's what he wanted because we, we had two or three scores already. So they really didn't need me to shoot the ball. I just had to kind of set the other guys up. But uh, it was, he definitely gets credit for, for his uh, system and – uh, what he does and everything that he helped me out with. Yeah, I mean, you're clearly in the gym that summer too, because uh, you were you definitely came out hot that season. Um, but uh, what was the NCAA tournament like for you? I mean, is it exhausting and hard to deal with all the media, fans, hype, and all that stuff? Or, um, I mean, I mean, it's weird. It's like you win the first round and then you barely have any time to prepare for the next opponent. So, I mean, how's that whole tournament like for you? I think it was fun. Um, I think it's a. Uh, I was used to all the media and all that kind of stuff, just coming from high school and kind of being like a, not a superstar, but kind of like a decorated player that everyone wants to talk to or go see or whatever. But um, I think it was fun. It's definitely a fun atmosphere. It kind of reminded me of AAU, because um, you play one day and then the next day you get the day off and you had to prepare for your next uh, opponent and stuff like that. But it's definitely a quick turnaround. Um, it's definitely the hype and it's and the excitement is, is real fun. It makes you kind of I feel like play better. Uh, the big-time players step up in those big-time moments. And I think it just makes uh, regular players, you know, uh, kind of like superstars in a, in a sense. Yeah. And, I mean, you guys had a thriller against Winthrop and then you lost against Wichita. But, I mean, what's kind of the emotions and the feelings that you're going through when it's all over? I mean, did it hit you pretty hard with that being your senior year? What, what was kind of the whole emotional side of it? It sucked because that was my senior and that was my first time going into the tournament and then getting a taste of the tournament and seeing, like, you know, what it's all about. And uh, and we were a two-seed that year. And um, I think our our goal and our uh, everyone's goal for us was to get to this B16 or at least the Elite Eight. And uh, we kind of came up uh, real short of that goal. And uh, I think that was probably just the main takeaway, just kind of frustrated that we didn't go as far as planned and, and as far as we knew that we could have went with the team we had. For sure. Yeah, I can't can't even imagine um especially getting that only that one season to experience that. yeah <laughs> um what was it let's talk nba what was the draft process like for you did you feel confident going into that draft after the season you had and uh were you happy with your workouts what was what was it what was it like uh i felt confident going into the draft uh, i would have felt more confident if we went deeper into the tournament i felt like if i would have went if 
our team would have went deeper into the tournament, then that kind of maybe would have got me like maybe uh, more consideration, maybe in the first round, maybe beginning second round, or or drafted. But um, going to the process, it was it was kind of fun. Uh, I was nervous going to different workouts. Uh, I know when I first got the first call for the, a workout with Houston, uh, they call. I didn't have an agent at the time, and they called my coach and. I don't think he told me until like the day before and I had to get right up on a plane and, and go to Houston and work out, uh, which was fun, but it was kind of exhausting uh, just flying from city to city, uh, working out for different teams and they're, they're really in there trying to kill you going one-on-one, two-on-two, full court, no water breaks. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was pretty cool, but it was definitely exhausting throughout the process. Are you, are you playing against uh, players in the league then too, or are you just playing against other guys that are trying to get drafted in those workouts? Yeah, just other guys that are trying to get drafted, mostly guys from my position, uh, guys that, you know, probably were uh, projected to go uh, first round. Like I uh, had a couple of workouts with Rondo, uh, Daniel Horton. I don't know if you guys remember him. He went to Michigan. Um, a, lot of, a lot of other top point guards uh, that I played against in high, in, in high school, AU, uh, seen stuff like that. But it was definitely, definitely fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like the – cream of the crop right at that point right yeah yeah the best of the best <laughs> absolutely man that's awesome hey what was uh what was draft night like for you uh it was kind of up and down uh uh so i knew i wasn't going to the first round obviously and then uh second round was kind of maybe up in the air uh talked with my agent uh throughout the process he was like uh teams like you a lot you know the, they might draft you and then towards the end of the draft he called me and said uh detroit's going to draft you with the last pick they just told me or whatever so the last pick comes and my name didn't get called, so it's kind of like frustrating, you know, mad, angry, um, uh, devastated. And then after that, kind of talked to my agent, just trying to work out the next plan, the next step. And uh, I just decided to go overseas to Italy because um, I didn't have any money. I needed some money, and I wanted to, you know, kind of get my uh, – establish something, uh, establish a core, uh, and just kind of build off of that. And that's what we did going overseas. And uh, I guess the rest after that is kind of kind of history. <laughs> Well, right, because then you go and you play in the D League and you have yeah. oh, the G, G League now, right, which I like. They call it the G League much better than the D League. And uh, you have, like, a huge season, like, in, in that. Do you feel like NBA teams finally realized, like, your talents, like, that, that you basically were like, look, I belong in the NBA, like, with, the, with that, that season that you had? Yeah, I think so. I think I always believed I would belong, especially with the caliber of players that I've seen that were, you know, getting in there and no knocking against anyone else. I just thought, you know, if this person can make it, you know, I think I feel like I'm better than them or just as good. And uh, I feel like all the things that they told me I was bad at or I needed to work on, I kind of worked on those things going overseas and especially going to the D League, uh, having time to kind of process even more time to to say uh, what these GMs and what these teams wanted for me, uh, being a better leader, uh, scoring more, uh, and uh, I think I worked on that in the D League, and that's kind of why I got called up. Yeah, and, you know, I, I was really excited when the Warriors gave the call up. And, you know, you have to play for, like, Don Nelson. But what feedback were you getting from Nelly and some of the higher-ups and some of the players uh, to help you be successful and make sure that you had the tools to succeed and stay in the NBA? What kind of feedback were you getting? Uh, it's funny because Nelly is kind of like a straight, straightforward, honest type of guy. Uh, when I first got there, he was – it's like, you know, CJ, I've seen that you can play. You know, I like your game, or obviously wouldn't have called you up. But uh, I just want you to keep doing the same thing. When I, whenever I throw you in there, I'm going to throw you in the fire, see what you got, and uh, just make sure you play well. And that's kind of what he told me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, this it was is... literally the conversation he said. It wasn't nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> just as simple as that. I love it. Yeah. Uh, 
You know, I, I love Nelly. Uh, I love asking this question, though, because we always get some funny answers. But what was your welcome to the league moment? And what I mean by that was who's the first guy to really burn you to where you're thinking, like, holy shit, I'm in the NBA? Um, honestly, I never had that moment like my first year, I think, because I, I played very, very sparingly and uh, only came to end the second end of the season. But I think uh, it was like my third year when I signed with the Chicago Bulls. Um, uh, I was coming off the bench, and uh, Ben Gordon was coming off the bench too. And he's, you know, he's a good player, great shooter, uh, very aggressive coming off the bench. And he comes in, he makes like his first two or three shots, and then they sub me in. He's like, CJ, go guard him, okay? Then I, I come back in, I, I get subbed in, and he make he continues to make like four or five or six in a row. Then I get subbed right back out. I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> he just went off for like 10, 10 and twelve points, and like literally like four or five minutes, and. There's really nothing you can do because by the time I get in, he's already made his first three or four shots. He's already hot, so his right. confidence is probably like sky high. And and he just he was just he just signed with the Bulls I think the year before, so he just signed. So every time you play with your old team, you want to kind of give it to them and, and score a lot of points against them. So I think that's what his, his mindset was that game. <laughs> yeah, and you're not the only guy that he's done that to. I mean, that once that guy gets going, it's it's downhill from there for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about the rookie stories? Uh, you guys are a pretty young team on that Warriors team, other than like Crozier and C-Web for like nine games. But did were there any like rookie initiations or did you dodge that bullet? Uh, I, I definitely dodged that bullet when I came in half of the way. Uh, I mean, the, the main thing I had to do was probably like care like money or or like get coffee for Baron Davis a couple of times, which was barely nothing. And uh, But I did see a couple of players get – popcorn in their car, um, <laughs> things like that. Uh, I think at the time, I, I didn't even have a car when I signed with uh, um, Golden State because my car was still, I think, back in Vegas or whatever, and I never shipped it. Uh, so I would just catch them. And, and I stayed. Like, the hotel was a part of the gym or whatever. So I, all I had to do was just walk from the hotel and go up a couple floors, and I was at practice. So I didn't really need a car. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you did it the right way your rookie year because yeah. getting the popcorn <laughs> in the car, that's no joke. Yeah, um, that's crazy. You know, I got to ask, how'd you get the nickname Quiet Storm? Because that's low-key one of the coolest nicknames I think I've ever heard. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny story. Me and my brother, uh, my sister lives in Nashville, and we were going to visit her for the summer, like we usually do for uh, every summer um, and see our family. And uh, we are going to get tattoos, and I didn't really have a, a name to put over my basketball, like the N one guy we have in our – me and my brother have in our arms. And my sister was like, you know, why don't you just use uh, Quiet Storm because you're quiet, you're shy, reserved but your game of basketball hits people like a storm and you're, you know, and you're good, whatever. So I want to just use quiet storm and it's kind of been sticking with me ever since. I love it. That's awesome. Um, you know, speaking of nicknames, uh, according to basketball reference, your teammate, Corey Maggetti, he's got the nickname bad porn. Um, I don't know. Okay. You might not have the answer to this, but do you have any idea how he got that nickname? I mean, do you know the backstory to that? I've never heard anyone call him bad porn or know why they call him bad porn, but I'm definitely going to ask for now. Um, I think I might have a reason. I might have a, a slight hint, but I don't know. I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be wrong either. That's why I, I wanted to make sure that you knew that that came from basketball reference and not me. So yeah, well, I might have to, might have to do, do some digging on that one and research that one. <laughs> if you find out, you have to let us know because that's yeah, one please. of our favorite nicknames. All right, I will. <laughs> sure. Hey, so you got to play with the rook, Steph Curry. Um, did you see how great he was going to be that first year, or were you surprised how dominant he actually became? Um, I wasn't surprised, but obviously, you know, as a rookie, you know, it's a different, different league coming in, and uh, 
definitely he started right away and you know you see flashes of it but you never not to say you never think or know that he might be a superstar like he is now but you definitely saw flashes of it you saw the hard work he put in um you saw he was dedicated to his craft you saw you know uh the flashes the big games that he had and uh obviously you know being a top player was definitely uh kind of like in the future but you never know this big I feel like but he definitely uh had flashes and definitely you know it's nothing too far-fetched because like I said he put the work in he has a a definite dedication to the sport, and, he, and he's definitely, you know, talented, uh, great genes like his dad. So uh, even yeah. his brother is, is good, too. You know, it's not far-fetched. <laughs> no, no, true. And it's funny. I'm a big Drazen Petrovic fan and uh, Larry Bird fan. I think they're two of the best shooters of all time. Um, was yeah. it really true that he was hitting all those threes, Curry, in practice like he was? Like, I've, I've heard crazy stories that he'd go 47 out of 50 from three-point range and stuff like that in practice. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are definitely true. Him and uh, – I don't know if you heard uh, Anthony Morrow. He was on, on the Warriors team yeah. also. Yeah. Uh, him and Morrow used to have definitely shootouts all the time. And Morrow's one of the, probably one of the best shooters I played with also, along with Steph and, you know, like Chris Lofton and Kyle Korver or some of those people. But uh, Steph and, and Kyle and – Anthony Morrow, I've seen those guys make 50, 50 straight, uh, 60 straight without missing. <laughs> you usually do like shooting contests and stuff like that. And those guys pretty much all, 99% of the time usually always win. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You think about like, you think about foul shooting percentage, you know, when yeah. you're that much closer to the actual basket and people right. go 60, 70, 80%. And then these guys are going a hundred percent from yeah. three point range in practice. I mean, that's that's cool. it takes a lot of focus to do all that. Oh, absolutely insane. Um, you started to put up good numbers for the Warriors. Did you know you were moving on once Don Nelson left, or what led you to sign with the Bulls? Uh, it was kind of like, a, you know, uh, the Bull, uh, the Warriors didn't want to match it. Um, I think uh, there's a, the year before, uh, Orlando Magic kind of wanted me really bad, and they uh, offered a deal, and uh, the Warriors wouldn't do a sign-and-trade. So after that point, I was just like, you know, it's probably best for me just to have kind of the best season I can and then uh, kind of move on and uh, just, just go somewhere kind of where I'm wanting or whatever. Um, and uh, it wasn't any hard feelings, just like kind of like the business of basketball or whatever. And um, I think that was probably just kind of kind of what it was. Sure. Yeah. We hear that a lot about the business side of basketball, for sure. Um, this is a, a personal question for me because I'm a huge Knicks fan and we just got Thibs. Um, the Bulls teams were really tough and talented. Um, sometimes they've got credit for playing guys too many minutes or having really tough practices. <laughs> How intense were those practices? I could tell by your laugh you're going to give me a good answer. Um, <laughs> were they were they ever too much to make you guys feel like they were too much, or or is that what made you guys such a tough team that year? I think uh, that year, like we weren't even uh, pinned to like go to the playoffs from like you know experts, you know. Uh, guesses or whatever, but uh, I know the practices were hard. They were fun. They were competitive. But I think, you know, as a as a leader of a and a head coach of a team, that's what you want out of your team. You want to get the best out of your team, and that's what Tibbs wanted. He prepared us uh, top to bottom. We knew what we were getting into. Um, there was no uh, like surprises when we come to practice. We did the same thing literally over and over and over the same drills. And uh, probably like after a couple months, we were like, uh, you know, why the heck are we doing the same drills over and over? But it was a kind of a rhythm to what Tibbs was doing. He was preparing us for the games, and all those games were easy compared to practice. Like, practice was like I – would, I would rather play a game than practice any time. Right, <laughs> That's right. how hard the practices were. And uh, I think it was fun for us because, like, after practice, we would all come in the locker room like, oh, uh, we're tired as heck. We didn't want to move. We just, we just ice and shower and just sit there and just kind of just 
talk to each other. And that's probably one of the closest teams I've been on um, in my time playing basketball because everyone, we all hung out together after games uh, on the road. We all hung out together as a team. And other teams, it's kind of like, you know, you have your cliques and one or two people or two or three. But this team, we hung out all together. It was, it was cool. Makes sense. I got to ask you a quick question. Do you, uh, am I going to be excited being a lifelong Knicks fan with him as the coach this next year? Uh, I think you should be. I mean, with the team they have, uh, I don't know right now. I think definitely <laughs> they need some, you know, some pieces or whatever. Yeah. And maybe some free agents. Uh, but I think, you know, Tibbs is, Tibbs will lead him in the right direction. And, you know, he's a, he's a diehard Knicks fan and, and was a Knicks coach. So I know he, yeah. he knows the pressure that comes with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember from those Bulls teams, I remember when you guys got Rip Hamilton, you ended up giving your number 32 over to him. Um, <laughs> you hear, like, in baseball all the time, guys offering, like, money or, you know, something for the jersey yeah. switch. Did he approach you and offer you anything for that number, or did you just voluntarily hand over the number to the OG? No, it was definitely a price. I just can't tell you the price. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We agreed on the price. My price was definitely higher and then. We came to a mutual agreement, but uh, he definitely – he just put it this way. He opened me, he opened me up a new bank account. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Um, what, what, what's the meaning of number 32 for you? Uh, I mean, why, why, why did you wear 32? Uh, my fa- favorite player was Magic Johnson. Uh, I always kind of like – not patting my game after him, but just always loved the way he uh, approached the game. It was uh, fun, free-flowing, uh, always smiling on the court. Uh, and just kind of just have fun with basketball. And that's, he was kind of my favorite player. And uh, that's really kind of just the basis behind it. Nice. nice. Um, the Pacers, I wanted to talk about the Pacers real quick. Um, you guys play those Heat teams really, really tough. Um, would you say that series was the most intense atmosphere that you played in as a pro? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the Bulls series with the Heats were pretty uh, intense also. And then, like, uh, just being overseas, I don't know if you heard overseas, but being in the playoffs there or any game there, their fans are, I feel like, more take basketball or soccer, more uh, prideful in their sport. They throw pennies and fire uh, lighters at you, like, during the game. Like, it's, it's definitely more of a, like, a those fans live or die their sport. And I think it's those, those – uh, games and stuff are way more crucial than any NBA game. So there's so much security at NBA games. Like, they're not going to let you, you know, do anything. But over there, it's kind of like those fans will do something to you. <laughs> right, yeah. Did you uh, did you enjoy your time overseas when you played, or were you looking at it as just a way for you to, to take that next step to get to get into the NBA? Uh, actually, no, I, did. I hated it. Um, honestly, my first year was kind of the worst. I had a different coach every month. So it was kind of hard just kind of getting used to one coach's system and then trying to you know, be on his good side, uh, especially like being a rookie in the first year, um, uh, being a professional. And uh, just having a different coach every every month was kind of hard. And then I was away from my family. I was over there by myself, uh, you know, just coming out of college. And that's kind of a big adjustment for me. I didn't really uh, do a lot of sightseeing. I really just went to practice, stayed in my house, went to eat, and then went right back to my uh, apartment or whatever. So it was it's kind of like uh, – give and take. I, I didn't really kind of want to be there, but I, I had to be there and I really didn't take advantage of the opportunities of like being in a different country, uh, sightseeing, kind of learning a little language. I mean, I know some words and stuff like that, but if I would have, if I would have did it, if I would have did it more, if I would have did it more and kind of sightsee, I think I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense, especially with the food and the culture and 
you know, basically getting yeah. travel, travel for free, essentially, right? You know? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of guys we talked to played overseas, they mentioned that uh, they do, like, a lot of quarantining, honestly, like kind of staying in their room a lot. I mean, did you do that, or did you get to do a lot of exploring and have some fun, too? Uh, my second time around, when I went to Turkey, I did a lot more exploring. I was kind of older, you know, and, and I was more grateful of the opportunity. Uh, not to say I wasn't grateful the first time, but I just – Felt like I shouldn't have been there. Felt like I should have been in the NBA, and I uh, didn't really take advantage of it. But the second time around, I kind of went out and did a lot more sightseeing. Uh, you know, just walked around, talked to the people. Um, and, and Turkey was more of an English-speaking uh, country uh, than Italy at the time. And uh, yeah. I think I just had way more time the second time around. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we'd love to ask you about the big three really quick. What do you love most about it? And what do you think makes a league so appealing to not just the players, but also the fans? I mean, what was your experience like? Uh, it was fun. Uh, I definitely, uh, I never thought I would play in it, actually. Uh, I'd always say once I'm retired, I'll just be retired and kind of just, you know, uh, relax and kind of let my body heal from all the, the banging and beating up and traveling and all that kind of stuff. But it was definitely fun. Um, it's definitely like a, you know, there's, it's like a, it's kind of like prison ball. They, uh, they'll call any fouls. <laughs> the refs really don't care. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely a, a great, great time just to kind of like be back in the locker room setting, hang around the guys again, um, and definitely still just play basketball. Uh, the fans are great. Um, it's a great league the Ice Cube put together. And uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be around next year, but I'm definitely, if it does, maybe I might play. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. And I mean, we love the big three because it, it has so much more of like a old school nineties, early two thousands vibe, just the way that they allow you guys yeah. to play and, you know, beat each other up a little bit. Like, right. you said. <laughs> um, you know, we had Eddie Robinson on about a month ago and he said the league's kind of rigged as far as putting the teams right. together. Um, I mean, what's your take on that? Do you, do you feel that way? Do you think it's more of a buddy buddy system? Because Eddie was saying some guys come in for their workouts and might not make the team when they should right. because of the friendships. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it definitely is. I mean, you know, it's kind of like everything in life. Uh, it's kind of like who you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, definitely I went to the tryout. Uh, and definitely there's maybe some guys there that should have made it that didn't get picked up, which uh, I think, you know, is is probably what needs to change about the league maybe and not be so buddy-buddy. or. But it's supposed to be a player's league and, you know, it's supposed to pick the, the best players. But I think that's one thing maybe that, that probably needs to change about the league. For sure. And uh, does does Cube have a jump shot? Can he shoot a little bit? <laughs> uh, I think I've seen him shoot maybe once or twice. Uh, he it's not bad. He's definitely a uh, decent looking shot. Uh, I don't know if it went in or not, but it's definitely <laughs> decent. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, you know, we'd love to talk to you more about the books, what you're doing with the books that you're making. That's really why we wanted to get you on here. Um, I think it's amazing. I think it's an amazing message for kids. Uh, tell us more about the books and what inspired you to start that up. Um, the inspiration just came, honestly, just sitting on the couch one day. I was just uh, thinking, like, what can I do to kind of be more of an uh, inspiration to kids? I mean, I think playing in the NBA is definitely an inspiration. But at the time, I was retired. So I was like, what can I do next to kind of still inspire kids? And I just thought about, you know, telling my stories through books, um, keeping the stories positive, um, and also just kind of telling where I came from, you know, Obviously, the title, the first book is called CJ's Big Dream, which is uh, my, about my dream of getting to the NBA, growing up in a lower income area. But, uh, you know, obviously having that dream of trying to get to the NBA and, uh, and, and accomplishing that dream through working hard you know, and believing in myself. Yeah. And that's awesome. And all these stories, I mean, they're true stories, right? 
yeah, all these stories are true stories. Uh, like I said, the second one's about uh, CJ failing a project and uh, his teacher giving, giving him a chance to redo it. And that's just teaching kids about hard work and about how education is important. And uh, that's what was a big message in my household. I couldn't play sports or do anything unless I had the grades and my grades were good enough. And the third one is just about bullying and uh, how to handle bullies in a positive manner. I love it. That's awesome. Great message for the kids. And then, I mean, you do so much in the community, so much for the youth. And honestly, like I couldn't even name everything that you do because you do so much. And it really says a lot about you. But what are some of the charities, groups or anything coming up that you'd like our listeners to know about? Uh, we have a foundation uh, that was started by me and my parents. Uh, it's called the Quiet Storm Foundation. Uh, it was started uh, 11 years ago, like a year before I got to the league. And the, the whole thing behind that is but just uh, as I was growing up, my parents uh, taught me and my brother to always go to nursing homes, uh, homeless shelters, and, and kind of give back. And that's what we always did. And uh, now we uh, want to get the same message to kids. And uh, we just try to help kids in underserved, under, underserved areas. And uh, just give them the opportunity and give them the resources that they might not have uh, and that I didn't have growing up and just so they can be successful in life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, uh, CJ, you ever think you'll get into coaching? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I have a lot of knowledge to definitely spread out and, and give to, to the kids, uh, whether it be, you know, girls, because I have all daughters, so uh, either girls teams or a boys team, whatever. But uh, I haven't thought about it yet. If an opportunity comes by, I definitely probably think about it and, you know, maybe kind of just go from there. Yeah, another great way to give back for sure. I mean, if you have the time, it sounds like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do a quick lightning round with you. Zach's going to do it with you and we'll get you on out of here. So uh, just like one or two word answers. Um, Zach, you want to start it off? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first question that we want to know, who's the one guy who taught you how to be a true professional? True professional. Uh, I'll say it started off uh, my teammate. Uh, his name is Ricky Menard. He was my overseas teammate. He actually played in the NBA for, I think, two or three years with the Sacramento Kings. But he taught me everything about, you know, NBA, overseas, and kind of just helped me grow into being a professional. Awesome. Um, you played with a lot of really good point guards. Which one of them was the toughest to guard every day in practice? Uh, I would say D-Rose. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's MVP D-Rose, right? Yeah, D-Rose or Baron Davis was hard. I didn't really have to guard him a lot, though, because we, we didn't really practice that much. <laughs> <laughs> Love the honesty. Uh, the one coach who had the biggest impact on your career? Uh I have to say Coach Nelson because he was the first one, uh, or first NBA coach at least. Uh, a lot of my coaches, like in preschool, middle school, those guys kind of had a big effect on my on my life also. Awesome. Um, out of all the NBA franchises, teams, uh, which one did you enjoy your stay at the most? I would say all of them. Uh, if I had to pick one, obviously it would be the Warriors because they gave me the first shot, the first chance. Uh, if it wasn't for them, you know, I probably wouldn't have a, a career that I had. Yeah. And if you had to pick one, what would your favorite basketball memory be? Favorite basketball memory? Uh, I would say maybe scoring 40 points in the game. Uh, I never thought that would be, you know, uh, it's kind of like a dream. You know, kind of like dunking on someone, you dream about those kind of things. But scoring 40 points in the game, a lot of, not a lot of players can say they did that on the NBA, NBA level. And I've done it uh, a couple times. Not 40, but like 35, 30, those kind of games. But it's definitely – uh, something to brag about, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're a bucket for sure. I mean, I saw it live in high school, and I mean, <laughs> we were in awe of what you could do at the high school level. And 
Um, I, I just have one last question uh, before we let you go. And it's mm -hmm. more, it's more of a personal question from watching your high school, but do you remember playing against Reno high school in that state tournament at all? I mean, do you remember that state tournament at all? Because I remember you were, I mean, you were a man amongst boys out there. Um, I don't remember playing against Reno. I remember, I, I know our first game, we almost lost. Uh, to, it was like to Las Vegas high school. I think um, one of my teammates, Joe Anderson, he had a big shot, a big three to, either to tie it up or to put us up three but um i, I just know that game was kind of like uh we can't lose this game this is just too much riding on this uh, this season <laughs> we can't come this far and lose <laughs> but uh i don't remember playing reno was david Padgett on that team yeah is on that team uh gamboa yeah all those guys okay i played with him uh in aau so was that the, that was in the championship game though right uh, not, not championship. Um, is it one of the playoff games, I believe, like first round, okay. second round, something like that. Okay, yeah, I think I think I do remember. Yeah, I think it was the second round, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, do, do you ever go back to Gorman at all, uh, and, and give back and help out at Gorman? Uh, here and there, they they never really asked me to, but if they if they did, I would I would definitely go back. Uh, definitely love my time in Gorman. Grateful for it all. Um, but I definitely go back and support. Watch the. Watch the games. Uh, my old coach is still there, so definitely he comes and speaks at my basketball camp every year. So uh, definitely still keep in touch with him. Awesome. Nice. Nice. I, I want to say real quick, um, thanks for being so gracious with your time. I mean, we really – No, no problem. It's any time. Absolutely awesome. Anything you want to um, add or promote um, before we get out of here? Uh, just, they, just if people want to go pick up the books, they can go pick them up on Amazon or they can go pick them up on my personal website. Uh, cjpins.com cjpens.com awesome is it kindle too or is it just yeah it has a, it has a kindle it has a audio book uh and paperback okay. so hopefully Excellent. i'll sign with a bigger bigger publisher and we'll get a hard hardcover copy one day <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it deserves to it deserves to we love yeah, it that's, that's the plan <laughs> nice um zach do you want to add anything before we let mr watson out of here just want to say thank you. Uh, you know, watching you in high school growing up, I mean, it was awesome. You're one of the guys I looked up to, and it was really fun to follow your career. So to have you here on the show today is awesome. I love what you're doing in the community. So thanks again. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, much respect, man. No, thank you, guys. I mean, it actually slipped my mind, but I didn't want to be in an appointment or whatever and, and forget the Zoom call. But definitely thank you guys for being uh, gracious and, and having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Have a, wonderful, have a wonderful weekend, okay? Thanks, you too. Thank you. Take care. All right. What a great, what a great interview. I, I love CJ Watson. Dude, I mean, awesome what a guy. guy. Awesome guy. Very, you know, like you could tell good bringing up from his parents, teaching him to go, you know, help the homeless, you know, going to uh, nursing homes, other places like that, teaching him to give back at such a young age. And he's continuing to do so, which I think is awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, that's one of the guys that really clawed his way through the D-League. I think he's the 100th call-up, the 100th call-up from the from the D-League yeah. to be in the NBA. And just the fight in that guy. I mean, to yeah. go undrafted, kind of under the radar, go overseas, go through the G-League. Um, I mean, you hear a lot about these guys that making it, but I remember CJ in college. And when he wasn't drafted, I have a shock. So I can't even imagine – being the guy that wasn't drafted, I mean, that takes a lot of, you know, grit to fight back and be like, no, I belong in the league and I'm going to make a long career out of it. And that's exactly what he, what he did.
Well, his parents instilled that good work ethic in him. I like that he talked about grades. And because that's the thing, a couple things we'll talk about for our younger listeners right now, if we have any younger listeners, I don't even know. But if we do, um, get your grades up, man. Because if you have the talent, but you don't have the grades, you're not going to college. And if you don't go to college, it's a lot harder to get into the NBA. So if you have that dream of playing the NBA, get your grades up. But get your grades up anyway, because that helps you in the business aspect of the NBA, which a lot of these guys that we have on talk to us about. It's a business. I didn't realize it was a business when I learned about the business. We hear about that all the time. So keep the grades up and definitely don't give up. I like that he makes that, that reference quite a bit in his book also just in the interview and then the numbers he put up i mean if i'm not mistaken i think it was what 25 5 and 5 in the in the in the g league yeah that i mean like that that i love because it's kind of like it's kind of like a big fu to the nba like guys i belong here like he said i like that he said no disrespect to anybody else but i felt like i belong with the guys that were already in the league oh no i mean I, that was I like how i put that you know what yeah. i mean I mean, that was obvious. If you watched him at Tennessee, I mean, that guy, he could play both guard positions. He – maybe I'm biased because I've watched him live in high school and watched him a lot in college. But, I mean, he was, he was a bucket, man. He was a problem. And that Tennessee team – I feel like Tennessee goes under the radar every year in men's oh. basketball for whatever reason. Anytime they're a one or a two seed, nobody really talks about them. And that was kind of the same thing his year. I remember nobody's – you know, really talking about them. And you don't think it's because the women's team is so good. Do you, I mean, or, it, or the it, football I mean, team is so good. Like with Peyton Manning on that team and T Martin and all those great football players that played at Tennessee. Do you think it overshadows the basketball team? It, it might. I think a lot of those, you know, Southern schools are a lot more known for their football. I think, yeah. you know, like the Alabama's, you know, yeah. schools like that, where it's like Florida, all about Florida football. State. Because, I mean, look at like guys like Robert Ory and Sprewell. Like, Alabama is so big on their football that those guys don't really get talked about a lot. And I think it's True. got a similar effect on Tennessee because there's no reason guys like C.J. Watson shouldn't have been drafted. I mean, if you really watched that Tennessee team a lot that season, you're like, wow, this guy's definitely an NBA player. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad saw it within the first 10 seconds of his high school game. Exactly. And he's a tough critic. That, that but he, he's out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. He, my dad nails it every time. But his jump shot was pretty damn pretty what? efficient back then. Yeah, pretty – I mean, mechanically, you know. It's one yeah. thing when the shot goes in, but when you're getting that much lift and the follow-through, I mean, it was one of the nicest jump shots that I'd ever seen at the high school level. Yeah, like you can tell. Hey – um. You know, another thing that I thought was interesting about him doing the research was he played on teams with really good point guards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Derrick Rose, Baron Davis. I mean, I don't think there was a stop at any place he played where he didn't have an elite point guard on that team. Right, yeah. You you wonder if there wasn't the elite point guard on that team, how much of a bigger role he would have had, which has got to be frustrating. Like we talked to – I can't remember who we talked to about that, but they were – oh, Bill Walker, Henry Walker, when he was saying, I would have rather have gone to a, a, a younger team, you know, than get drafted by the Celtics because the Celtics, you know, just came off the championship and they were, you know, that whole entire team and lineup was, you know, already established. You know, I thought right. that I thought that was interesting. Researching him going, yeah, well, I mean, you got Baron Davis, right? And, yeah, you got Derrick Rose and Derrick Rose MVP season. You know, obviously finding your minutes is going to be really tough. Yeah, you know? for sure really tough um yeah great interview i mean honestly we're getting 
um, we're getting amazing guests, but one thing I want to say to the guests and all the people that are listening to this that are fans of these players, every single one of them has been gracious with their time. Every single one of them has, has made us feel like accommodated where we feel like we can ask our questions. And yeah, like the bat, like Corey McGebby nickname question, oh, you know, <laughs> just like that was amazing. <laughs> we got to get to the bottom of that, dude. We need another. We need another warrior or a Clipper or whoever else McGetty played for. We gotta. We gotta get somebody else on that can answer that question. Yeah, I mean, I need an explanation for that because I I have to know where that nickname came from, and so maybe we'll just get Corey McGetty on. I mean, I, I want to have dude, Corey McGetty. Yeah. I, I want to hear his side of it. And you know what? The first question has got to be. Why was your nickname bad porn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be amazing, dude. Oh, my God. He's a guy, too, man, that I really thought was going to be a superstar in the league. I mean, he was underappreciated, in my yeah. opinion, because that's what, he, that's what he, I mean. was on, he was on not so great teams, but I mean, he was a very important piece to every single team that he went to. Strong as hell. Um, oh, my God, like an ox. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if he's, too. yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, if he's on better teams, he gets more exposure. But I remember the dunk contest; you just did a flip standing up and like went and dunked. And I know a lot of people didn't appreciate that dunk. But I'm like, okay, you do a flip standing up. See how damn yeah. hard that is. Yeah. <laughs> but and at that weight, yeah, six six, like, like two sixty. He's a oh, and like solid two sixty. We're not talking about some some, you know, some theater kid being 5'8", 140 doing a flip. You know what I mean? No. Like, in 6'6", six, six at that weight and doing a flip, yeah, that's insane. Dude. Yeah, built like a G.I. Joe, dude. That guy was built. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to having a good weekend. Um, I don't want to be political, um, but right on to the NBA. That's all I'm going to say. Like, yeah. right on, for sure. And um, And what a crazy week it was, huh? Yeah, absolutely crazy, crazy week. I mean, I, nothing surprises me at this point, um, just with the way 2020 is going. But crazy weeks just don't phase me anymore. It just feels normal <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think I told you this a couple weeks ago, dude. If somebody was like, hey, I saw a Tyrannosaurus Rex walking down the street, I'd be like, yep, yeah, you totally did. Like, yeah. it would not surprise me. Like, if dinosaurs started walking around, I'd be like, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, we yeah, have murder hornets, sure. coronavirus, fucking tornadoes in New Jersey. I mean, it's, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore, man. Like at all. It's like I just want to take a day quill and fall asleep until 2021, man. I just <laughs> be done with it, dude. Like giving me my football in a couple weeks. I've been enjoying watching basketball. I don't care what anybody says and people trying to knock it down. I've enjoyed watching it. Yes, it's a little sloppy, but what are you gonna expect? Um, but we've had some great games too. We've had some amazing fourth quarters that that clippers. Mavericks fourth quarter when it went to overtime and Luca went off. Like, if you don't like basketball, I mean, you don't like basketball if you didn't if you didn't enjoy that last quarter and that overtime of that game. There's been definitely some blowouts, but it's nice having basketball back. It's nice seeing what it's doing for people that enjoy it and whatnot. Sure. Um, yet again, we just say this real quick. We don't want to bother or badge you. Just if you want to, if you like the show, give us five stars. Maybe a quick little review. You don't got to give an email. Everything's free. Um, you know, iTunes is the best place to do it because that's where we have the most traction. Um, we've been charting a lot, which has been amazing. So thank you for all the support. The reviews have been really nice too. We're super appreciative of that. Um, and then we're on social media too. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, um, Instagram, not in my house, just type it in. You'll find us. And 
Zach does a lot of hard work putting together all these little video montages that are really awesome about each guest that we have on. So, uh, you know, find us that way. We got some new stuff coming up. We got a really cool special in the works. Can I say what it is or you want to still make it a secret for another week or two? I think we should keep it a secret. I like the right. suspense. I want them to see it through a video and be like, ooh. <laughs> we're, keep, we're keeping a secret, but I'm growing a mustache for it. So there's your, there, there's yeah. your hint. You can I, I would say this. I would say this. It's going to be different. It's not going to be what you expect, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, I mean, buckle Absolutely. up. Buckle Absolutely. Up. Absolutely, yeah. So thanks again for all the support. We appreciate all the love. I'm going to get on out of here and enjoy my week. I hope you do the same, my friend. Have fun Have fun moving because you know how much that fun, fun that is. Hopefully, you're only moving like a couple miles away though, right? Oh, yeah. No, I'll still be in the Reno area, but, uh, you know. That moving is never an easy process. And I hope CJ Watson feels special because we were supposed to have somebody requested a showing at 10 a.m. I'm like, nope, I got CJ Watson. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. No soup for you. I love it. Dude, have a great weekend, man. Hopefully that move goes super smooth. And then uh, we'll catch you again next week. We should have some more great interviews for you. And uh, make sure if you're listening to this right now, um, make sure you go backwards in time on our podcast and listen to the Charlie Ward episode. Listen to the Henry Walker episode. There's a lot of really good episodes we've been doing interview-wise that you might have missed if you're just joining us by finding this episode out. So we got some good NBA episodes of, of interviews that we hopefully you catch. So for Zach, this is Eric. Have a great weekend. Be safe and not to end.